On this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, we have Sandra Kadiri from the Renew Party. We, we, th- we think this is an unprecedented situation with the two major parties in the country um, riven against each other and internally divided as well. And people very disillusioned. They don't know where to turn right now. So wherever you are, enjoy this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, your liberal speakeasy. And remember, sharing is caring. It really, really helps. So wherever you can do that, please do so. And remember, you're building something with us. Many thanks, and here's the show. Yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. This is Paddy Ashdown and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. What a good name that is. Hi, I'm Tom Brake and this is the Limehouse Podcast. Hello, this is Nick Clegg and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. So welcome back, guys. It's the Limehouse Podcast, as always, coming to you from sunny Sydney, although it's not, is it? It's not sunny, because the Beast has arrived. And I'm not talking about Eddie Hall. I'm talking about the Beast from the East. It, it, frankly, it's offered me an opportunity to relax and take a little bit of time off work. Yeah, I won't be getting as much money this month. But you can't garden in the snow. I, I've worked for companies in the past that made me do that and I nearly lost my mind so I, no, 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 no work for me I wonder how you're getting on with it though I mean it's been, I mean it's exciting isn't it because we know it's going to go away and the kids get to get off school for a few days and I remember that, oh my god when we were at school, when we were kids you see the, the snow start coming down it was too much excitement to handle a, a day or two off school, yes. Getting out in the snow, oh my god. Wow. Anyway, we're the only country in the entire universe, I think, that gets this obsessed with, with weather and also simultaneously completely flummoxed and, and, and how our entire infrastructure is ruined and turned on its head. But anyway, that's another thing altogether. This week's episode, guys, it's really great. I went up to Regent's, uh, Regent's Park, that kind of area, and got stuck in a blizzard and managed to interview Sandra from the Renew Parties. Uh, so a really good conversation. It's probably one of the more relaxed ones I've had. I've tried to be more in the moment, as it were, with, with, interview these, with interviews these days because you can, you can get a little intimidated and, and also the subject matters, no laughing matter. It's, it's, it's heavy stuff. So I, I, we had a good back and forth, and I, we had a, a good chemistry, and it was good fun, and I hope you really enjoy it too. And then I got back from the interview, and I, I went to see Black Panther, the film, and was massively pissed off and just, just totally disappointed by how terrible that movie was. And and then, to, to counter that, th- this is super geek territory, 
I, uh, I looked up the John Major speech on YouTube that he recently gave. And it's amazing. I really, really mean that. If you have an opportunity, I think I've shared it on our, our Twitter account, which is at Limehouse Pod. And it's a fantastic listen. It's so clear. There's no fudging. There's no middle ground. There's no compromise. It's simple facts, straight as they come. And it, it's a speech that I'm not joking. I generally feel this, that that is the kind of leadership we, we require right now. And it's, it's disheartening to think that that is coming from somebody who has not been front and centre of politics, shall we say, for so many years that that is the state of our politics, where we have to lean on someone, a PM, okay, yeah, a very well-versed politician, but nonetheless someone who has been out the limelight for a long time, who is teaching our Prime Minister how to govern, how to, how to reach out, the sensible policies she should be taking. And, and frankly, I was looking at that, and I got a bit... I was really in the zone with this one. I, I was like... I think he spoke for about half an hour and I did I was engaged the entire time I didn't switch off for one minute and that's saying something for me you know I tend to get um, slightly sidetracked and I think you guys should check it out if you haven't already don't just rely on the you know small little sound bites you'll see here and there go and go and watch it all it's it's fucking great sorry for swearing but it, it really is it's great and then I suppose you want to know what's coming up. So Gina Miller was going to be this week. And I, I do admit that. I, ha- I ha- Hand on heart, I thought that was going to be the case. But the snow came. And her wonderful PA is sorting out another date for us. And it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. You're going to get Gina. But it'll be later in the month, I think. So next week will most likely possibly be uh, the one and only Ming Campbell former leader of the Liberal Democrats. So yeah, we'll see how that one goes. But in the meantime, guys, look after yourselves. Stay stay warm and uh, enjoy, enjoy the snow. Enjoy it. Get out in that toboggan, man. You know, go and slip over and break your ass. That's what everybody else is doing. That's what I might go and do. I've got to go and walk the dogs in the park. It's, it's a beast. It's a, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. Anyway, look, guys, enjoy yourself. Oh yeah, actually, before we go, I should yeah, email the show. You know, we've had some really lovely emails this week from Giles and um, Phoebe. Giles and Phoebe, two lovely people that have got in touch uh, to reach out and just uh, say some really nice things about the podcast and why they've started listening to it. And and it actually has a, you know, a, a, a vague amount of importance in their life, which is actually fantastic to hear, to get to, to get emails from you guys, to, to just know what you're thinking, really. And what you think of the show and what you do with your life and, and, and what have you. So carry on doing that. It's the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, yeah, Twitter. At Limehouse Pod. At Limehouse Pod. So yeah, enjoy your week. And I'll see you very soon. Enjoy this interview. It's a cracker. Renew, when when did it start? When did the where did it was it in a pub? 
over a pint or...? Well, the Renew Party was set up last autumn after the general election by some independent candidates who stood in the election and then decided they didn't want to end it there. They wanted to continue. So they founded Renew. Uh, then I joined very quickly after. And the platform is Rethink Brexit, Renew Britain. And I think we were all really concerned about the direction the country was taking. I mean, obviously, we were very concerned about the decision to leave the European Union. Uh, We felt we didn't quite think that that was necessary after the the referendum, which was such a narrow majority. Um, So we we really decided we actually needed to set up an actual new party. Existing parties are failing us. Um, Somehow they've led us to the situation we're in um, through complacency and also lack of integrity. And many MPs are not standing up for what they know in their best judgment is not good for Britain. So we want to restore some sanity, if you like, to British politics and also reconnect back to the British public. Yeah, it's interesting you say sanity, um, because obviously since uh, 2016, June, things slightly fell away, at at least. Do you you feel like that was perhaps an insane reaction or what some might say a howl of of agony from those that haven't been... disenfranchised by politics over the years? Well, I mean, I think everyone was flummoxed after the referendum. No one was really expecting that people would vote to leave the European Union and commit such a monumental act of self-harm. So obviously there was a big cry of anger behind that, which we really have to pay attention to. There could have been another reaction to the result, which would have been having a commission of inquiry, really looking at the reasons behind the vote, pursuing alternatives to being in the EU and making sure people knew what that really meant. Um, And we really feel that nobody understood the impact, the consequences and the amount of good cooperation that there is between us and the EU and the positive legislation that we've actually approved and brought into this country through the EU. And and bearing in mind people didn't know all that, we don't really think it's the right thing to do now, especially as people are waking up to this fact. Yeah. And I mean... So I, I listened to a couple of things that you, you, you guys have done for the, I suppose, the press. Uh, I think it was today or one of the programmes. LBC? Five Live, maybe? Who knows? Yes, we've done a lot. We've yeah. had a lot of media coverage. It's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are saying, on Marsh, on Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, Macron, Macron. Who's your... Um, it doesn't matter about the noises in the background, it's fine. But my listeners understand. <laughs> um, who's your... Do you have a... a, a do you, do you feel like there needs to be a cent- central figure to get this thing like really off the ground? Or is it more, you know, come one, come all, we'll all do it together? Well, I think we really are a grassroots movement. And I wasn't convinced at the beginning. I thought people from outside politics, what are they going to know? But actually, the interesting thing is that when we've had our 1,000 uh, applicants to be MPs and we've brought together 100 of them uh, and supporters and the amount of ideas they've got and the desire to really renew their communities, to reshape Britain, it's actually really heartwarming and it gives us hope to continue. Um, so I'm actually really convinced now that if we bring in people's ideas, you know, nurses' ideas into the health sector, um, you know, actual people working in those fields and combine it with the best expertise through our policy committees, um, we really can come up with something new and fresh for the country. And it really needs it. We can't go back to the status quo, even if we manage to stop the Brexit process. Uh, we've got to go on. Too much has happened. Yeah. Do you think that, that the wheel has, like, you know, uh, Kalishi in Game of Thrones broke the, wants to break the wheel? You don't watch Game of Thrones. There's a shaking of the head there. <laughs> um, and she, she's like, you know, she wants to break the wheel and what have you. Do you think that the referendum is a, has been largely, the wheel has been not necessarily broken, but the genie's out of the box. 
and it's hard to put it back in and Fox, Gove, Johnson they're trying to put it back in but with what the hell was Johnson about yesterday for example they don't know really what they're doing and it's in their eyes now you can see it you know they don't know what they're doing well, certain politicians like Boris Johnson, he never really believed in leaving the European Union. I mean, obviously, yeah. he was an opportunist and he looked for his moment. And I think that's clear because he still talks about the deep and special relationship with the EU. Well, we all know that's impossible. You know, we're just basically telling the EU we, we don't want to leave. We don't want to be with them. We reject them. How can we expect them now to have a closer relationship? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so politicians are obviously playing games right now, even Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I mean, he's he's inching towards a bit of a closer relationship, but we know he's not a pro-European person uh, and we know he's not pro-NATO and he's going to take this country backwards in many senses. Uh, and it, it's really distressing for us because we're used to, the, to Britain being a really good force in the world and in Europe. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. I, I did. I do have a tendency to go slightly off topic and all over the place. I was listening back to an Anna Sue conversation I had, and I was, we were making really good points. And then I decided to just go off on an absolute tangent, and it doesn't really help. So I'm going to try and stay on topic. You were talking about the a thousand applicants you had to be MPs, like PPCs and what have you. That's that's pretty exciting. And the hundred that you've so you've narrowed them down to a hundred. Yeah, we no, we haven't narrowed them down to 100. We we've not processed them all obviously. I was going to say that's how it's a lot of people. Yeah. And we're also getting hundreds of ideas every day from other people determined to really support us. So it is it's a struggle to keep up with it all as a small new party. However, we we're determined to to respond. I mean, we've we've basically got different rounds of interviewing people and engaging with them. We're going to do training events around the country, yeah. uh, in all parts of the country and also in Scotland um, and Wales. And we also had our first training event in London and the response has been phenomenal. So we know it's a it's a challenge, it's a mountain to train up all these people to be ready for Parliament, ready for a snap election, if it happens, yeah. um, and obviously do something in the local council elections in May. Um, but we're determined to do it because we actually don't think we have another choice right now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and in terms of the council elections coming up, I mean, say if you were to rewind a couple of years, you'd have had two years on the go, building and building and building. What's the actual chance of getting anywhere? I mean, it's only May. It's, it's May's like, what, three months away? Yes, we, we, do, we think this is an unprecedented situation with the two major parties in the country um, riven against each other and internally divided as well. And people very disillusioned. They don't know where to turn right now. They, you know, traditional Tory or Labour voters are really disillusioned with both parties. Um, so in this environment, it's actually very plausible that a new party could come through and sort of steal the centre ground and, and be the voice of the best interest of the country. Um, obviously, local council elections will be important. It just, it, we've got to show we can fight and win elections. Um, but we are still a, a, a new party. So we'll, yeah. we'll do as best we can based on our commitment. No, of course. I mean, my, my, my only concern would be for... My background is Liberal Democrats. Um, I'm, I, you know, obviously, I think a lot of Lib Dems are quite worried about the eight percent in the polls, um, or even lower. Who knows? And how that didn't, you know, their 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 Brexit manifesto essentially just completely fell on deaf ears. And you know, there are a hundred bloody reasons why it didn't work in the referendum in, in the uh, general election. But um, they're they're not they're not doing fantastically well. Come the jet, the council elections in London. I, I can generally hand on heart just see Labour destroying everything, like absolutely whitewashing the or redwashing the entire 
city in a blanket of red. And I think the Tories are pretty terrified. Where does a small fledgling party fit into that? Well, it's really interesting with Labour because obviously they did well in the last election. Um, but yet I'm not sure people were really clear that they were opposed to Brexit. And obviously they're still not opposed to Brexit. They're still sitting on the fence. So where did the Remainers go? Where do people go who either believe that we need to stay in the EU reluctantly or passionately and the people who are changing their minds who are not sure anymore and who actually would love to maybe have a second shot at this um, now that it's more complicated, more costly than they ever thought. Um, so where where do they go? And that's why, again, we feel a new party. Liberal Democrats, obviously, we share their pro-European stance, uh, perhaps empathise with some of their policies, but they're a tainted brand. Um, they're a spent force. They, they're tainted from their time in the coalition. Um, you know, what What else can we say about them, really? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, obviously, I know a lot of people that have voted Lib Dem. And yeah, they, they felt a little bit peed off about the coalition years, like, like you just said. Um, and and I, I suppose when you go door knocking, I've done a bit of count like uh, I, like was it last I don't know a year and a half ago I went out and tried to help the Lib Dems in a council by elections uh, and, and one in Richmond and that was the uh, that was more of it well as I had that was a national campaign in Richmond but a lot of people in London specifically sort of southeast well hell northeast everywhere the trendier areas you knock on the door and you go Lib Dem there is there is a lot of animosity there uh, specifically around tuition fees mm. still people don't get mm. that that is now I think that was about a year and a half ago now I think that's starting to maybe drift away a little bit because of the advent of uh, no deal and the absolute chaos that that I'd like to say Prime Minister Farage is putting into his, into this country uh, <laughs> but that's stolen from Lord Adonis he thinks that it's uh, Farage's uh, 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 Great Britain, which maybe to a degree it is, but I mean, where are we? I mean, if if Lib Dems couldn't push through, mm. Mm. how? And they've got a big old you know line up there. You know, you've got. I mean, so we like about Vince Cable, he's a known figure. Where does Renew fit, and how how do you burst through? Well, I think that's the problem, isn't it? That, that Liberal Democrats have been around a long time like the other parties. And I would suggest maybe there's some complacency there. We've actually had quite a lot of supporters coming to us from the Liberal Democrat Party or people who work with them. And they said they're not that open to new ideas. And the beauty of a new party is you've got no choice. You've got to connect with the electorate. You've got to go back out to the field and say what's working, what's not, what gives you hope, what do you want to change? Yeah. And actually in doing so, it's actually the absolute right moment to be doing that because we are at such a crisis moment. Um, and actually, you know, if I would give any advice Lib Dem in my humble role, it would be that they need an entire rebrand. They need a new set of faces. They need a new image um, and to sort of have a new design for the future. What we want to bring to this is a vision. Now, we understand the lure of Brexit for some people in this sort of utopia that, that sort of might come afterwards, which we don't agree with and don't believe in at all. But what can we lure people to? that's not Brexit, to draw them away from Brexit. Yeah. And this is where we need to fashion a new vision. And it's not easy to do. It's going to take time. And that includes being a full member of the European Union, of course. But what does that mean about Britain itself? Who are we? How, how do we want to bring everyone back together? Is there another kind of way that we, we should behave? Should we rebalance the economy, restructure our inequalities, pay more attention north-south? Um, and it's, it's a difficult one. It's not going to be easy. But we've got to start the process yeah, because yeah. we can't go back to the status quo anyway. 
I mean, when you say like, rem- I, 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 I personally feel that we need to remodel our position within the European Union at full stop. I mean, I don't know why we, you know, I know it's an, an age old uh, adage, but when you do go around uh, Spain, France, Portugal, wherever, the European flags are everywhere, right next to the national flag. Mm. Why don't I mean that? That's a that's a worrying thing. I mean, I know I'm harking back here a little bit, but it would be quite interesting to maybe get your perspective on why this thing happened in the first place. Why we had this 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 whole array of nastiness that infected our sort of public, I don't know, consciousness, and then resulted in a referendum. Absolutely. I mean, I think Europe has always been seen as very distinct from Britain. Um, We've not really seen ourselves as close to our European neighbours as other European members do. I worked at Euronews for three years. I've worked in international environments. It's natural to me. But I understand that it's not been that way for people here. They've always been ambivalent about the EU or not known very much about it. Our politicians never talk about it. They don't attribute back any successes in Britain back to a decision that was made uh, in the European Commission. Why is that? Because they, they don't talk about it. They they only talk about it in terms of some little regulation here and there. But mm. people didn't care about the EU till 2015, by the way. If you look at Murray Polls between 2000 and 2015, it was on the bottom of like a list of 10 things people thought were the biggest challenges for the UK underneath the NHS, the economy, jobs, immigration. Um, and it was only whipped up in that virulent time in 2015 and 20 with the, with the immigration crisis into to Europe, the refugee crisis and the Greek debt crisis, terrorist attacks in France. And people like Nigel Farage were able to say, oh, look at that chaos in Europe. You know, we don't want it coming to our shores. We're at breaking point. And it, it somehow tapped into that disillusionment of people and twisted it against Brussels. And it, it's completely false. And I think we're seeing a little bit of an understanding now that that's a busted flush, that that's no... Yeah. Not true. A layer of bullshit. I mean, a thick layer. He's mm. managed to take it into the stratosphere. Mm. I mean, in a way, do you almost... Uh, don't take offence by this. Do you almost sort of... Um, well, you can take offence, if you like. <laughs> I'll reference Farage. Do you not think that there's a slight part of you that almost admires their UKIP's ability, his ability, to, to have taken them, like you said, from an absolute nothing... Con- like, it's totally inconsequential to most people's minds, the European question, to suddenly uh, we're all, we all want to leave Europe or 17.1 million people want to leave Europe or whatever. Um, out of, Literally out of nowhere, they, took, they, they rode that. They rolled that unicorn into the sunset. Well, I don't, I don't admire them at all, UKIP, because obviously they have taken, they are taking us into, they've helped lead us into a wrong direction. Um, I mean, where there are some similarities with us and UKIP is that they are—they did try and tap into the grassroots. They were from outside the establishment, um, and they were sort of coming out of nowhere, if you like, and actually challenging, uh, challenging Westminster. And that, in a sense, is what we're doing too. Um, however, we know they've used extremist uh, language. They've whipped people up against foreigners um, for quite a long time. And it's taking us exactly in the wrong direction. But what I do want to say is that we are patriotic, if not more so, than mm. UKIP. We really passionately care about Britain. We don't want to see people hurt. Mm. You know, what is Farage going to say when actually trade goes down in the Midlands and the Northeast and people's and workers' rights and yeah. all these things are affected? You know, how is he going to explain that leaving the EU did not help them? It actually made their lives worse. Well, I don't think he's going to have to explain anything, is he? Because he can just, if it really is going to go south, then he can just stop his show on LBC and then just take a little yacht down to, you know, wherever, wherever Trump's hanging out when he screwed up America 
and they can just go, oh, what? It, it, that's, the, that's the thing. There's no accountability now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's very telling that Nigel Farage ran away the minute after the, the referendum was held. You know, he knew it was going to be massively complicated and difficult and then actually a nightmare. So I think deep in their heart, some of these people know what they've done and they know that eventually they're going to be found out. Um, he was, and Farage was in, um, in USA last week uh, uh, at the Conservative conference supporting Trump. And, you know, he sees what's happened in Britain as the same as what's happening in America. Some big movement of, of people who feel disaffected and agree and, and kicking out against the elite and the media and everything. Um, I think they're going to be exposed sooner or later. Um, I hope it's sooner rather than later because I'd rather we don't actually leave the European Union before we, you know, that damage is done and then we have to come back in. But, you know, who knows what's going to happen next? All I know is that this is the moment we hear a lot more voices coming out, campaigning groups, even MPs um, and prominent voices actually saying, hey, we don't have to do this. Are you getting anybody from the Leave side that have have sort of strayed into the the centre ground and are now firmly in the camp of this is a terrible mistake? I'm coming to renew to, to listen to what they have to say. We've had some people regretting and, you know, sometimes people are doing it quietly. Um, Mm. Most of our supporters have been people who want to remain in the European Union. Um, But we have found there is a shift. I mean, I would love to find some prominent Leave voters as well, as well as ordinary Leave voters. In fact, we're going to be going out on the streets in the next few days to see, you know, who still feels the same way. And we certainly have heard lots of anecdotal information. People didn't realise that our doctors and nurses came from EU or that scientific collaboration was, you know, going so well with the EU or particular parts of the country were funded um, by the EU and now they're realising that we are hearing that they they want to change their mind but there's more to do in that I think yeah I mean also so I suppose the party renew you've got to renew people's faith in the European Mm. Union I suppose it's funny because so many loads of people while I'm sat here I had absolutely no idea of half not even half one tenth of what the the European Union actually does, and what our role is within the European Union. And if it wasn't, you know, for people like Nick Clegg and and what he has to say, and the, and the referendum itself, for the, you know, I suppose we're like most people. You listen to facts, and geez, really, well, we do all this 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 amount of trade with the European Union, this outside the European Union, and and it and it's made me realise it's really woken me up. Did. Did the party name come from sort of like renewing people's hope or, or something like that? I think it did. And it was renewing the politics. It was renewing our relationship with Europe, renewing our own internal, how we we work as a country. And, and why has this country not worked for everyone? Um, maybe we have been in our bubbles and not really aware that people were feeling so angry in other parts of the country and not getting ahead and the wages hadn't gone up for 10 years and the living standards were the same. Uh, and especially our older voters um, really worried about loss of cultural identity as well and we haven't paid attention and mm. we're obviously paying a price for that so it means you have to go back to the drawing board yeah. I think and is it a single is it sort of a single party issue so I've looked on your website and what have you um, and obviously you address what we need to do economically environmentally uh, could you really thrash any of those ideas that perhaps like I suppose you'd have to say the NHS who how what, what are you planning for the NHS and how to rescue us from this crisis that we're in well, in in honesty, you know, we're, we're not fully developed on our policies yet because what we wanted to do was go back to the country and actually get some really good ideas okay, from people yeah. and then she then feed them into policy committees, which we've just started to set up in, in sort of seven areas. So obviously we do know the NHS is a, is a big problem for people and the strain on the NHS. Um, you know, obviously leaving the EU will not help and is also 
already put costs up and led to a shortage (laughs) of doctors and nurses. Um, But, you know, yeah, these are going to be big issues to solve. I'm not saying we've got the answers right now. We may need modest tax rises to pay for this. Uh, We may need to reform the health service entirely. Um, Obviously, immigration is a big area that we do need to look at some of the negative impacts that maybe have affected certain areas while reminding people that immigration has definitely been good for this country. So there, there are all sorts of complex and difficult things to to solve it's not going to be a case of just throwing money at everything that needs to have money thrown at it but we we are going to spin up some really robust policies but they've got to be quite innovative because we've got to address the inequality on the left side and we've also kind of come at this um in, in a modern progressive way that we are embracing the future embracing the world at the cutting edge of sort of technology and embracing all that artificial intelligence yeah. and everything that's going to affect us, but somehow make sure that the benefits are distributed more equally in the country. Yeah, and have you have you spoken to people that sort of like Neil Lawson of Compass, for example, or um, Gina Miller, there's Open Britain, do any of those, are you collaborating at all, trying to get ideas or anything like that? Or, or you, do you see yourself more of a, um, your own individual sort of, not island, but your own stream, as it were? It's really interesting because we're sort of the most credible new party that's come forward. So we are distinguished from the movements and the campaigns. However, it's been really nice to actually meet people that are in solidarity with us and actually we really all feel the same way. So while they are campaigning to encourage people to rethink Brexit, um, we're about what comes next. We're the party that's got to deal with the future. And personally, I don't want to see um, Jeremy Corbyn as prime minister. I don't want to see Theresa May as prime minister or Boris Johnson. So we need some new figureheads. Um, And that's what we are looking at for the future. And and you're doing a a tour of Britain, right? So a listening tour? Yes. Can you you, uh, expand on that a bit? Because that sounds quite quite interesting. And obviously, it does sound... um, I, I suppose my background, uh, when I started getting more politically active, I, I, I listened to ideas from people like Clive Lewis and I go, whoa, that's wacky, that's weird. And then you start listening to it more and you start realising that, oh, that's just called democracy. That's just called a, like, you know, a coming together of ideas. And it's quite interesting and exciting. Um, and I suppose a tour of, of Britain is pretty cool. And I've seen you went to Cambridge and Oxford and Essex universities. How did that go down? Well, I mean, we're obviously starting, and I think the idea of, of the, the tour is that we're listening to Britain again. We're doing a mix of roadshows, um, engagement, not only with universities, but schools and colleges. We've got a survey going out like Macron did. We've taken some inspiration from Macron's movement. Mm. Um, and I think that, yes, in a sense, it's very obvious that that's what we need to do. We need, we need creative ways to engage people again um, and show that we're listening and then coming back with responsive policies. But I think our gold dust is going to be our candidates and our supporters and our volunteers because they themselves have fantastic ideas about how to do things in their communities, about food security or homelessness, uh, taxation. We have reams of ideas coming in. What we need to do is process that. And then it really is something that's coming from the people. It's not just a cliche. And I, I, I think that's what's good about it. But you need a system, you need a machinery to, to help make sure that what we get from people actually comes back and feeds into something that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a challenge, but we, we're going to do it. You know? yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. What do you see as your sort of your biggest challenge at the moment? Is it a, is it is it funding? Is it is it bodies on the body on bodies on the ground and feet on the pavement? Is it door knocking? What what is it? Is it a whole? Are you on top of everything, or is it just, just 
I can't imagine what it must be like yeah, to be in your position. It's really hard, actually. It is really hard. And I think we've been through some of the difficult parts where we actually, you know, we, we sort of discuss, well, how far should we talk about Brexit? How far should we talk about renewing Britain? And we still have those arguments mm. because a lot of people around Britain don't want to talk about Brexit. Mm. They want to talk about housing and wages and health service mm. and immigrants. And, and we have to talk about those things with them. And yeah. it's not all about Brexit. So... Um, you know that's a challenge already um, but I think that our biggest challenge well at the moment we is really coping with the the, the, the support we've unleashed if you like um, and I think that we need to spin up very fast to deal with that and become a very credible party um, we're looking for funding um, a lot of people are very sympathetic with what we're trying to do it's almost like we're too soon um, we're ahead of our time a little bit. Um, you know, there may well be other a couple of other parties that come up. Um, we would really hope that we could join forces because if there are too many good new parties, it might really split the vote. Um, yeah, so, I, I would agree with you on that one. What, so, where is is there an open channel there for people that would, if they do, I mean, obviously you'd like to harvest every, you know, all the great ideas and, and have have people come to you. Um, it is. Is that is that realistic to keeping an open open doors policy and hoping that other parties, if they were going to form you, they could just come to you guys? Or? Well, we are, and we do have some back channels going on with people yeah. who are thinking about it. And of course, everyone's waiting and to see what happens, and also deciding their own philosophy, political philosophy, on the way yeah. ahead. And that's understandable. So we've sort of said, well, maybe we'll come together slightly later on um, if it's appropriate and if we kind of all agree with each other's vision. Um, in terms of existing parties, I mean, what we are saying is that we are open to cooperation with anyone that shares our vision mm. um, you know obviously we're coming from outside politics um, but to be honest you know if politicians come in join us early if they were interested um, if they've they've really tried to show some courage if you like in, in standing up against where we're going now then of course we're willing to talk to people yeah, you say courage and MPs. I mean, I suppose they're sitting, a lot of them are sitting on the fence right now. There are people that obviously are vocal, don't get me wrong. Are there any ones that you would say, come and join us? You know, Chico Amuna, just, just, you're not comfortable in the Labour... Well, you are probably very comfortable in the Labour Party. You've got a seat for life and you are, you know, he's, he's much loved by the, by, the, by the Remain lot. But at the same time, my God, wouldn't that be a statement if he left? And Would, would you invite him in? Would you want a figurehead like Chuka? I don't know. So it's a good question, really. I mean, I really think we'll have to deal with that. I mean, we saw um, Dominic Grieve address people uh, a few weeks ago, and he, he really was very pessimistic uh, about the Conservative Party and where things were going. And, and you wondered how some of these MPs can continue to stay within the Conservative Party. Mm. But they have decided um, that they want to stay because they need to stay for the final vote. Mm. They need to be there. Uh, and that's understandable, actually. Um, so I think it is sad to see a, a, a historic party like the Conservative Party uh, no longer being the party of strength and stability and, and prosperity for the country but being the opposite and taken over and hijacked by the right wing and, and this extremist view this irrational hatred of the European Union which turns everything good into something bad yeah. and we've just decided we, we won't have it we, we don't accept that um, you know we need to go back to people again and, and talk to them about this 
um, and make sure they've, they've understood everything. So we're open to, to all political discussions at the moment. And I think that's really important because it's about bringing the country together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people want to see politicians working together. They don't want to see everyone fighting and making scoring points off each other. Yeah. They want to know that we care about the good of the country and we're going to put that first, not party loyalty and, and our own uh, ambitions. Absolutely, yeah. No, no, I completely agree. I, I do... For, for me, I know how British people... No, I don't know how British people are. I have no idea. Sweeping <laughs> yeah. statement there. I'm God. shocked as but well. You know? I, I kind of thought I knew my... Uh, I don't know, my name. I, I knew my neighbours, my friends, obviously, but um, the wider British public, I, uh, in terms of those that you sometimes see in Vox Pops, I do get slightly concerned about. But I don't know why I raised that. But William, how how often do you go outside of London oh, yeah, and travel exactly. the country? Like never. I'm, it's, well, it's horrendous, absolutely yeah. horrendous. And I, I, it's it's just sheer laziness. But I mean, I want to take this podcast out uh, around uh, around London, around the UK a bit more. Yeah, it's time. It's it's work. Obviously, it's it's very very hard. I don't have that that funding. But you do. You the thing is, you get you trap you get trapped in that bubble. And then before you know it, you're thinking, well, why isn't everybody thinking like me? I mean, all the podcasts I listen to, they're all Remainers. All my friends are Remainers, you know. But I think, I mean, if you read reports like the Demos report, Citizens' Voices. Okay, I'm not uh, familiar with that. And and it it sort of interviewed mostly over 50s around the country. And they have such a different view of the country. They're nostalgic for the past, for the old industrial times when everyone had a job. And, um, you know, young people respected authority and they could wave their flag and not be accused of being, you know... uh, overly patriotic or nationalistic and they yearn for those times and it, it's very strange because we remember the old days in kind of negative sense you know in post-war period um so that has been really a surprise to us i mean our young people are where the hope is as well because obviously they're upset they're losing opportunity they're losing their freedom they're not gaining freedom yeah. um and their ability to work travel and study cheaply and easily uh and we're, we're losing everything that that we were told we'd be gaining you know yeah. we're losing control uh, in decision making in Europe we're not taking back control um, and all these that we're losing influence by the day and and so but it is fascinating about Britain I like you want to, to travel much more around and talk to people uh, in rural areas coastal areas areas that have seen some decline and if we read these reports that are coming in and we, we talk to people ourselves we also see people haven't been doing well. Uh, and while some people in London, you know, happy cosmopolitan lifestyles and, you know, fancy yeah. restaurants, it's not the same for everybody around the country. Well, and even in London itself. I mean, you know, there are, there yeah. are boroughs of London that voted leave. But, um, you know, it, it, I suppose the next generation is, I, I know that uh, Nick Clegg does talk about it in his book and he's talk, spoken about it before he lost his seat in the House of Parliament, that it's... The really worrying thing is the next generation. Is your message to the next generation, not next, but you know, the sort of 17, 18, 19 year olds, is that, is that a good area for you to, to go for? I mean, it would be a temptation to say that, you know, we're just going to care about the youth and there's a youth movement going on. And, and obviously we do, but this is actually for everybody. We actually, I actually genuinely care about the older voters and uh, all, all the country, in a sense, even people who voted leave. This is not one side against another anymore. And we can't think like that. 
Um, so yes, there's always going to be a small group of people who are passionately anti-EU and you know passionately think that Britain can only become imperial and proud once again if it, it leaves the EU and cuts all its ties. But and it will never change those opinions. But we still convinced that this is the best thing for everybody yeah. and I think we're going to operate on that assumption okay cool and and I suppose before we before we call it quits today it would be cool to just know a bit more about you really like your background I know we we briefly touched on that earlier but um where I don't know when did you start getting all um <coughs> when did you get political if you have been well, I was a journalist for 10 years and I worked at Euronews in France, okay. which is interesting because I couldn't get a job reporting European issues here in the UK. Yeah. So, so that was already telling back in the 90s. Um, and then I've worked in conflict zones for 12 years. Oh, and so I've seen what instability does, what pitting people where, against where each other. Oh, I was in Afghanistan for five years, Somalia, South Sudan. I've worked at the International Criminal Court. I've worked on EU election observation missions, supporting democracy around the world in all countries. So I've seen seen what it's how important stability is democracy good governance and i've seen the uk standing up for these things in solidarity with friends and actually being a voice of reason and 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 very strong about justice and, and issues like that in the international community and that's why it's really heartbreaking for me because if you talk to our embassies abroad now they don't know how to behave you know they're, they're facing kind of astonishment from their local interlocutors who don't understand who Britain is anymore. Yeah. You know, we've always been so reliable and pragmatic and, and strong on, on these key issues. And now suddenly turning away from everybody into isolation and, uh, and this sort of bizarre decision. Um, and that's actually really damaging for us. And I'm determined that we shouldn't lose the Britain that we, we know we are. Yeah, no, of course. I, I, I agree. Identity, you know, it's... it's it's on the one hand, my identity, um, I'm an isolationist or I'm a, you, you know, an internationalist. It's a, it's a strange one. I and like you said earlier, I don't think people actually really give that much of a shit or even actually think about it like that. When you, when you raise Brexit on the doorstep in, mm. in, in areas that aren't that you know, inclined to do so, sort of London, what have you. And it's, and it's, it's quite funny when you knock on a door and go, right, we're here to talk to you about Brexit. And they go, what do you mean Brexit? I yeah. just just pay me more, man. Just give me like ten pounds an hour. You know, don't treat me like a sack of shit or something. You know, give me more hope. Give me something to believe in. Um, Sorry, yeah. carry on. I think yeah, people are obviously fed up of the issue in many ways, and of course now it's, it's sort of the misunderstandings of yes, let's leave Brexit or let's stay in Brexit. So there's all sorts of strange <laughs> things. Yeah. Um, but I think I think they are understanding. People, we know people have been very disappointed with the way the government's handled negotiations. They feel that it's been completely messed up. Uh, they don't know what Britain really wants, and and you know we don't know if we're going to stay in the customs union, out single market, out. Uh, what's going to happen to security issues and all our cooperation uh, on foreign policy or any area really, environment, workers' rights, um, everything. Um, so. I think people are waking up. I think they, they're not happy with how the government's performed. They, they thought the European Union would bend over backwards to make some fantastic deal with us. Now they realise that's not going to be the case. Yeah. They'll prioritise their own interests. This whole idea of global Britain and global trade deals seems more elusive now. I think it always was to many of us. But I think for other people now, you know, who's our great white hope? The US with Trump? I don't think so. No way. So, you yeah. know, it's it's... 
I think there's an awakening and uh, I don't blame people for having been misled at all. Why yeah. should people have to know about the EU and all this boring bureaucracy that comes with it um, necessarily? Um, it, it is a lifelong kind of education in a sense uh, about the EU and about UN and about our membership of all these organisations. Uh, and you can't do it in three months during a silly campaign. And, you you know, it takes two, three years and it yeah. takes education in schools to start. What's Britain's position in the world and, you know, post-colonial era what what has actually helped us um so i think that's what we've got to go back to really education yeah no absolutely great i, I mean I, there's probably like a whole bunch i think if we randomly struck up a conversation in a pub uh and like oh you do that do you oh i love politics so, you know, we could have a i don't know we could probably do this for like about a couple of hours but i don't think so it's been a really cool chat is there anything else that's um you want to talk about before i because sometimes you press stop on an interview and then they go, oh, I did want to talk about that. Oh, and that would, that would have been really good, wouldn't it? Oh, why don't we carry on recording? No, the moment's gone, man. But, I mean, what, so maybe a, a, a leaving message for anybody who's interested in, in Renew. I think the, the leaving message, first of all, is Renew really does care about the country. And we, we're not just trying to cause trouble or disruption or instability. On the contrary, we want to bring back stability to our country. Um, we're immensely proud of all parts of Britain and all all everyone in the country and we want to make sure we continue to to be a a, a proud and and happy country but we've got to go back to basics here we've got to also remember that the european union will move on without us they're already annoyed that they have to waste their time in this silly complex negotiation that they have to do now and which is going to continue for years to come Um, and it's not fair for us to involve the EU in, in, in our complexity and our problems, to be honest, which at the end of the day is our problem. Um, let them worry about their own people and moving forward together. They, we've got to face big challenges, uh, climate change and terrorism and uh, economic inequality in Europe, across Europe and, and populist movements. And, and there's a lot for European countries to deal with. It's not fair for us to drag them into our mess. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to sort ourselves out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then where can we, where can you, uh, the web address and stuff like that? Yes, yeah, so we're at www.renewbritain.org. Um, you can sign up as a volunteer or to keep up to date with our newsletter and follow us on Twitter at Renew underscore Britain and on our Facebook page. Great. Nice work. Cool. Right. Thank okay, you very guys. much. See you later, guys. I'll see you soon. Bye. Au revoir. Oh, well done. <laughs>